and welcome to Faith, Family, and Politics. I'm your host, Joshua Cummins, here in the newly renovated Bullet Studios. We're going to have a really big show today. That's my friend Louis Rodriguez here in studio with us today. He put some stank on that. Yeah, he gave it some pause there, some <laughs> dramatic pause. And uh, that over here to my left, uh, we've got the host of Laughing Libertarian, you know him, you love him, Alan McFarland. Who, who, who. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. It's Arsenio Hall flavor. And then Kids, bringing, Arsenio Hall. I'm sorry. <laughs> bringing the message this week, we've got uh, back again as our guest, Donald Martyr. How you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm real good. And uh, so just uh, to, to kind of uh, just before we get into uh, prayer over the message, um, what is your title today, sir? Uh, it is Finding jo- – uh, let, let me pull it back up here. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk amongst ourselves. So you Find- were saying about it yourself. You know, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> Finding Joy in the Pit. Finding Joy in the Pit. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Gladiatorial conversation. That's right. Wow. We're in like the pit. Finding yeah. Joy – Joy! You know. Yeah. Why She's is she here. fighting? Why is she other fighting? <laughs> she ain't here. <laughs> she ain't here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Finding joy in the pit. All right, sir. Well, if you'd like to, we can go ahead and kick us off with some prayer. Let's do it. All right. Lord, we just come before you this evening, and we just thank you so much for another opportunity to be able to share. Father God, to be able to uh, uh, get into your word tonight, to get into uh, discussion, Lord God, and uh, above all things, Lord, we ask that this time would be glorifying to you, Lord, uh, that we could use this time to uh, feed into each other's lives as well as uh, those who are sharing with us, Lord God, and we ask that you would just continue to be glorified, continue to allow your will uh, to supplant ours, Lord God, and we just thank you so much for that, and above all things. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to this earth, who laid his life down on a cross for the forgiveness of our sin uh, so that we may have everlasting life in your kingdom. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen. 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 All right. So uh, mental health is something that um, my wife and I, our family, a lot of our friends have, uh, I think, really taken uh, a much stronger um, perspective on. Uh, my wife... Uh, she's undiagnosed, but she has been, um, uh, speaking with her, uh, physician and things like that about some of the anxiety and depression and things like that, that she's been dealing with in life. And, uh, you know, I think all of us at some point in time have, uh, a spout with anxiety, a spout with depression, a spout with feeling lonely, uh, those sorts of things. Some of us, um, even to the extent of, of being diagnosed with things that we have to, uh, regulate, whether it be through counseling or medication or something like that. And um, uh, I I got a chance to uh, hear our pastor actually talk very similarly, uh, which was kind of the inspiration. I You know, my pastor is a huge inspiration in my life, and, and I thought, you know what, this is such a cool message, and, and it's going to go a little bit different than, than his. Um, uh, but I was like, this is such a cool message, and it hits home in so many different areas that I really just want to talk about some of the things that sometimes we're afraid to talk about, especially when we're talking about in the church and stuff like that. People aren't comfortable with dealing with or talking about or being open about uh, the the issues that they're having, whether they're, whether they're having depression, whether they feel lonely, whether they feel worthless, whether they feel lost. Uh, you know, I think that it's a huge thing for us to, whether it's just a fleeting moment or if it's a full season of things to happen, uh, or if it's something that you deal with on a lifeline, uh, lifelong basis, um, you know, mental health and, and those sorts of things, uh, they're very important. And so what I wanted to share was, um, uh, you know, it's, it's 
one thing for us to share our own lives and our own testimonies, and I think it's uh, something else to be able to connect those testimonies to the word. Uh, and so I'm just going to share a few different examples of uh, some people in uh, in our history uh, through the word that dealt with these sorts of things and how they dealt with them and uh, just some words of encouragement. And, and none of the encouragement is a 100% solution. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be, but these are things that I have used before uh, that have helped me and that my wife has used and our friends have used. And so it's really just encouragement um, uh, for some of these things. So the first thing that I really wanted to get into is uh, what I'm calling sorrow and loneliness. And uh, this is going to come out of First uh, Kings in the chapter uh, chapter 19. And I'm going to move around a little bit <clears throat> in chapter 19. Um, but it is... Uh, uh, this is going to be about Elijah, Elijah the prophet. Um, so if you're not familiar with Elijah, very quick background. Um, at this point in his life, he has challenged the prophets of Baal, uh, who are under the leadership of uh, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And he has shown the evidence of God and how powerful he is by uh, laying out an altar and putting a sacrifice on the altar and covering that altar in water. Um, several times to the point where it was so soaked and then the fire of the Lord came down, consumed the sacrifice and the water and everything else, and then he uh, slays the the prophets of Baal. And so he's just gone through this huge victory, uh, and yet in that, this is where we find him. So starting in the second half of the fourth verse, it says, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And so I'm going to skip down a little bit to uh, starting in the second half of verse 9. And it said, uh, when the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I am very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is about to pass by. Uh, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, uh, after the wind, was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected me, or have rejected your covenant, torn down the altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. And then he gives him some instruction on finding a couple of people, um, one of which is Elisha that he anoints uh, to take over his position as a prophet, basically. But then it says, um, picking back up in verse 18, it says, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And so I wanted to I wanted to point that out as a, a first example of how we can find a lot of sorrow when we're lonely. We can find a lot of despair in loneliness. 
But it's it's interesting that with Elijah, in his eyes, he the reason he's lonely is because he's physically he thinks no one is around. He feels like he is the only prophet left of God. And yet, and the only other people are trying to kill him. That's it. That's sure. it. And and it's and it's not just like you know you had these four hundred prophets of Baal, but there's also uh, I believe it's like three hundred and fifty or four hundred and fifty prophets um, of um, uh, Asherah, I believe is is who it is. And then you've also got Queen Jezebel. The reason that he's on the run is because one person, Queen Jezebel, threatens him through a messenger to say, "What I have done to all of your prophets, I'm going to do to you." And he's afraid because of one person even after he has defeated these 400 prophets of Baal. So it's like something that she has said to him, some feeling that he has inside, has shaken him to the point where he is fleeing for his life. And he feels like he is all alone. And he goes to this cave. As, as a matter of fact, earlier in that section, uh, he it's him and his servant. And he tells his servant to stay, and he's out in the wilderness alone in this cave basically waiting to starve to death. He's traveling out here, and he lays below a bush, and he's essentially starving to death because he knows that out here in the wilderness, he's just going to die alone or somebody's going to kill him because he has nowhere to go. Just hoping to rub two two sticks together. That's it. That's (laughs) it. And then the Lord comes to him and provides not just a direction. Uh, You know, I think that, that one of the keys to Elijah's recovery in this is that the Lord not only gives him a direction, He not only says, go and find Elisha, go and find these other people, bless them because they are going to take over this ministry, but also know that there are 7,000 other Israelites that have not bent the knee and kissed the feet of Baal, but that they are still righteous and they are still with me. And it's not an exact science, but uh, one of the major remedies for loneliness is community. It's, it's being a part of a church group. It's being a part of a social, you know, of a real social network, not a Facebook and a Twitter and an Instagram. And those are all things that you can fill your life with, with false hopes. But when it comes down to it, are the 1,500 people that are on my friends list on my Facebook going to show up and sit with me in my home when I feel lonely? No. There might be a handful of them there. But if I wasn't present in the relationship that I have with those people, then then I would feel alone as well, you know. And so and so, you know, it's not it's not a cure, but it's something that can help in the recovery of feeling depressed because you are alone. Is to make intentional contact with people, uh, and then also I think the the other side of that same coin is when you know that there are people in your life that feel lonely that are in that despair, is taking that time to get in contact with them and not just talk to them on the phone, but to let them know that they have value in your life because it's through loneliness that we start hearing other voices that are not that still small voice of God. We start hearing the voices of the world that you you don't matter to anybody, that there's no reason for you to be around because nobody's thinking about you and nobody's reaching out, and none of that is true. But we only find that when we have connection with people and when we have connection with the value that we have for other people. That's very true. Yeah. So uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk about was finding despair in regret. And uh, I think we all have dealt with some form of regret, um, whether it be major or minor. 
you know. Forgot to cash in that coupon. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got in the car. That's it. Didn't save 39 cents. That's well, it. Well, with inflation, yeah. you couldn't anyway. That's it. The coupon was worth more yeah. than the money I was going to save. Does anybody else Does anybody else do this? I've done this I since I started driving. But does anybody else do the, the whole penny a gallon thing? When you're like, man, if I would have just waited three more miles, even though I was literally on empty <laughs> and probably on hopes, prayers, and fumes at this point, <laughs> I could have saved three cents a gallon, you know? You know, we, we find, you know, whether it be silly or whether it be serious, we find ways to to sometimes regret the decisions that we make. And, and I know personally uh, when I've been asked before, you know, do you regret anything in your life? If you could go back and change something in your life, would you do it? And my response is usually, if I did that, I wouldn't have learned the lessons that I that I did. I wouldn't be the person that I am right now if I would have gone back and changed all of those things. Now, some of those lessons were pricey, you know. <laughs> some of those lessons, if if I had to do again, maybe not. But I feel like the truth is really where you are now. So, uh, the example I want to use is out of. Uh, Jonah, uh, the book of Jonah, the second chapter. This is after Jonah has run away from God, calling him to go to Nineveh. He's on a boat with a bunch of fishermen. There's a huge storm. The boat is literally getting ready to capsize. They've thrown everything else off of this boat because they are just, they're literally praying to their gods. And Jonah says, no, I know what's going on. <laughs> this is my fault. Throw me off the boat. And they do. And as soon as they throw him off the boat, literally as he lands in the water, the Lord settles everything. And they begin to praise, which I think is also kind of a um, a subtle a subtle revelation of God on that ship because they've been praying to their gods for like the last 20 minutes. And this boat's going down, and they throw this guy over who's like, no, it's my God. It's, it is the God of gods, you know, the Lord of lords. Throw me over, and then boom! As soon as he's in the water, it's gone, and it's like all these sailors are like, "Uh, yeah, that one, yeah, that's that's the one we're gonna pray to from now on because <laughs> that worked." You know, well, and see, in my mind, I'm I'm kind of laughing, thinking that other sailors are looking around, going, "Look, our God's telling us we have to make a sacrifice, and we don't know who to throw over." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's like, just offered. He's, he's like, like, "Throw me over," and they're like, oh, "Good, sweet." Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was easy. Cha-ching. <laughs> who needs who needs a democratic process when you got somebody to, ready to jump? So, yeah. uh, so Jonah two, um, it starts uh, just the whole chapter of Jonah two. It's not very long, but it says uh, uh, this is Jonah who is praying to God. He is literally in the belly of the fish. He's literally on knocking on death's door, and he says, "From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God." He said. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All the waves and breakers swept me over. Uh, and I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank. The earth beneath barred me in, or yeah, barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love from them. 
But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. What I think is so crazy about that story is that literally Jonah is talking about how he was liter- he was drowning to death. He was he was his life was flashing before his eyes as he's just trying to breathe and can't. And the pressure of the water is just pressing in on him, and the waves are crashing over him. Not to mention his severe claustrophobia was probably killing him too. Right, probably, yeah, absolutely. And it's when he is at death's door, and he is in his most regretful mindset, and he confesses what he has done, and he repents of it, that then the Lord commands the fish to spit him out on dry land. Which means the fish was already there. Like, the journey was done. The Lord was just waiting on Jonah to get there, you know? Talk about patience. Yeah. And and so, uh, you know, I think that when we're talking about regret, I think, and, and I know this is huge for Alan, um, ownership of your shortfalls. Knowing that what actions you took resulted in the consequences, whether it be good or bad consequences, knowing that you made a decision and that that decision resulted in X, Y, and Z. And that's okay because you made a decision. And the thing is, indecision is still a decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that, I mean, that's really, you know, I know we're going to talk about politics and stuff later on, but when you decide to vote, your decision has made a decision. When you decide not to vote, that decision still has a consequence one way or the other. Um, so forgiveness of ourselves, I, that's some, I feel like sometimes that can be one of the hardest things in the world to do. When if Alan and I get into a spat, it's easy for us to forgive each other because we love each other. You know, when if, if we get into a situation where we don't necessarily agree on a stance or, or a saying or an opinion or whatever – we ask somebody else, and then we both agree that they're wrong. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's, how it works. That's it. That's it. And you can find you can find forgiveness in 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 that sort of thing. But I think that when we get to a point where we can forgive ourselves for what we have done, uh, you know, that definitely takes that definitely takes a little bit of the sting away. Because even though you're still dealing with the consequences, you can say, "Well, you know what? Like this is where we're at now." My one of my wife's. Uh, wife and I's favorite phrases is, well, we live here now, you know, because it's like, well, this is what we're dealing with, whatever, whatever it might be. And then I think, uh, you know, uh, repentance, you know, turning away from whatever that is, whether, whether you be, the thing is like these, all of these steps work for somebody who is a believer and who isn't a believer. You know, you can be repentant of something, even if you don't, even if you're not a believer, uh, there's an extra degree of, uh, I think, uh, calm and counsel that comes for when you have a relationship with God and you find repentance in your life and you can say, you know what, I am going to turn away from that because I know that that doesn't glorify God. But even if you just, even if you are not somebody who's a believer and you say, you know what, I'm going to turn away from that because it's not healthy for me. You know, it's not something that I should be doing in the first place. So I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to turn away from that and I'm going to start going the other direction. Uh, and then I think also being reconciled to one another <clears throat> when I'm in a situation and I'm having a hard time with it, 
sometimes it, the best thing for me to do is to reconcile that to somebody else and to say, I need to talk to somebody. I need to take a little bit of the pressure off. Yeah. And I need counsel with other people. Even if you're not like-minded, just having somebody to discuss those things with. Sometimes it's better to hear your voice out loud so that you can go, oh, I see where I went wrong. Well, and see, yeah. I just like – I like someone looking at me and going, yeah, okay, so here's what that sounds like. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 even if they agree or disagree, giving you their interpretation can change your perspective. Or lets me weed out people I don't want to talk to anymore. <laughs> and there is that as well. Absolutely. There's absolutely that. Um, <laughs> well, you're off the list. That's 86. it. All right. Gone. Uh, and then, uh, you know, um, something else that that um, that I don't think we 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 really identify, and I think that this can be really hard for people, is that things like depression, things like despair, things like loneliness, those are not based on a class. They're not based in a caste system. They're not Democrat, Republican, or Libertarian. These are things that affect everybody. You know, the richest and the poorest. And um, uh, in Psalm 40, uh, and this is verses 1 through 4, this is from David, King David's perspective. And I think that, you know, for people who are theologians, who are Bible believers, who who even if they just know who David is, David and Goliath, you know, he became he became the second king of the Israelites and, and uh, took over for who he referred to as God's anointed one with Saul. Um David, at this point in his life, he has lost his son from Bathsheba, from the relationship that he had with her while her husband was still in his army. Um, he has lost uh, his son Absalom, uh, who killed his – Absalom killed his half-brother, who was David's other son, who had raped his sister. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on in David's life. It's a whole lot of oh no you did. It's a, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And then he has layers. Exactly. And he's got he's got a son who wants to take him off of his throne and uh forcefully uh to the point in which David actually uh absconds from from Jerusalem for a time and then gathers his forces and comes back and and takes his throne back. Um he never loses the ownership of that, but but it's interesting that David was such a venerated person, uh, and yet he struggled with so many different things. And um, this is out of Psalm 41 through 4, and I think that it definitely shows the true heart of David, even when he's in these types of situations. And it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my heart, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. He does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. And I just think that that is so telling of who David is in his heart. He knows when he's messed up, and he knows when things are falling apart. But he also identifies that even in that sorrow and even in that depression, and even when he could be crippled by it, which I think, you know, sometimes we're in that place. He's able to say, you know what, 
I know that maybe I have failed as a king. Maybe I have failed as a parent. Maybe I have failed as a husband. But I do know that there is a God that I serve that's greater than my failings. And then it's, it's that God that I find strength in. And it's that, it's that God that I find my salvation in. And it's that God that I find freedom from this depression, from this regret, and, and can find that. And I think, uh, you know, my last point kind of builds off of that. And, um, uh, none of us are, none of us are free from those influences. Sometimes, you know, I don't personally, uh, struggle with like long, bouts of depression or anything like that. There are times in my life when I have been depressed and do get depressed. There are times in my life when I deal with anxiety. Uh, I jokingly, but in all seriousness, told my wife that I can, uh, like I'm a performer. And so like uh, performance anxiety sometimes can, can get you, you get those butterflies in the stomach and things like that. But, but when you've been on the stage, you can identify that and you can move past it. You know, and once that adrenaline rush hits your system, it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, but I never feel more anxiety, uh, than when I go to a conference or a convention and I have my children with me because I'm on defense mode because I'm there to have a really good time to meet people, to have fun, to buy fun things, tchotchkes and stuff like that, that'll sit on my shelf that I'll never use, (laughs) you know, but when my children are there, that's not where my mind is. My mind is. How many and, – and whether this is uh, anxiety or protectiveness or whatever, I think that it, it there is a thin line between being protective and being overly anxious. And it could be a very easy jump for me when I'm in a situation like that and I'm at a convention where there's 10 or 20 or 60,000 people and I'm walking around with my three kids. And even though one of them's 13 and can almost look me in the eye and the other one's 10 – you know, I've still got a five-year-old, and I am not worried about them. I'm worried about the people around them. Yeah. You know, and and I'm not fearful necessarily, and I walk into those situations with just a lot of awareness. Uh, and I think that that sort of thing can, can kind of overwhelm you if you let it, you know. <clears throat> um, but anyway, so my last point is that I, you know, to to really hammer home that we all deal with these sorts of things, even if it's short term. Uh, I'm going to share out of both Matthew and John. Uh, so this is Matthew 26 verses 37 through 42, and this is right after the Last Supper in the upper room. Uh, Jesus and his disciples, or Jesus and his apostles, uh, go out to the garden, and he takes uh, John and James and Peter. And uh, uh, they kind of separate themselves, and he asks them to to sit and and stay up while he goes and he prays and not to be tempted. Uh, But starting in verse 36 of Matthew 26, it says, uh, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, uh, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch for me. So Jesus is identifying that he's feeling that anxiety. He knows what's coming. 
right after he after he has this time of prayer, Judas shows up with guards, and they seize him, and it's from that point on that he's in the hands of the people who want to slay him. And then eventually he's hanging on a cross, dying, breathing his last breath. So he knows that that's coming, and that anxiety is just building in him. And his prayer is so telling, um, but he says, um, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So he just says that simple, short prayer. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And then he says to them, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? So now he's feeling the pressure. Like, I asked you to do something. Like, he's overwhelmed with anxiety, and he's asking these guys to do something. You know, it's like when you're in a bad place mentally and you ask your kids, can you please – I told, I asked, all I asked you to do is clean your room. Can you just clean your room? You know, that's kind of like he's yeah. – He's not being mean. He's not necessarily being forceful. He's just anxious, and that's kind of – he's in the flesh. It's manifesting his frustration. Here. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and, it's, and, and the thing is, like, he's emotional, but it's not out of hate, you know, and I think that that's, that's a huge – there's a big difference between the way he reacts with his apostles and his disciples and the way that sometimes maybe we can react. Like, you know, you're worthless. You, you know, I asked you to do this thing, and you're worthless, you, you know. He's not doing it out of hate. He's doing it out of concern and anxiousness, you know, anxiety. Uh, so then he says, um, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I personally think that not only is he talking to the apostles, but he's talking about himself. The spirit is willing. He knows what the step is. But because he is in the body, because he is in flesh, he identifies that his fleshly nature wants to just say, you know what, Father, I'm not going to do this. I cannot do this. He he knows that, and he's identifying that. And I think that, again, saying it out loud has allowed him to also identify to everybody else. Like, just like you, my flesh is weak, but my spirit is willing. I'm going to do this. It's going to happen. But I'm still worried. I'm still scared, you know. Uh, and then so he said – it says he went again a second time, and he said, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. I So I want to highlight that line real quick because it feeds right into the next part. So it says, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Now, in in the Last Supper, they share – Four different cups during the Passover dinner. And when he's sharing those cups during the dinner, he says, uh, share this with me. I will not drink this again until I sit with my father in paradise, until I sit with my father in heaven. And then again, he's talking about this cup. Take this away from me unless I need to drink it in order for your will to be done. And so the reason I highlight that is because in, in John 19 – Verse 28 and 30, it says, Later, knowing that everything had been finished, everything had been accomplished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. So not only is he calling out to these guards and saying, I am thirsty, it hit me, and I was like, it's less about the fact that he's calling out to these guards. He's calling out to God, and he's saying, 
I'm ready for this cup. I'm ready to drink in this cup. I am thirsty. Quench me, Lord. Quench me, Father. When he said, when uh, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, "It is finished." So, with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, not only is that so revolutionary, but what I think is crazy is he didn't drink wine; he drank vinegar, and vinegar is what? It's bitter. Very. And so is the sting of sin, yeah. which he has just taken on. I mean, it's okay on fish, but. Right, 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 and fries. Yeah. Love it with some fries. But it's it's amazing to me that correlation to say, Lord, let this cup pass from me unless I need to drink it. I'm ready to drink it. And he takes it on, and it is finished. And that's really a relationship with Christ, a relationship with God through Christ is probably the most precious recovery the most precious medicine that you can have to defeat depression, despair, all of these things, regret. Because we know that it's through Christ and through his sacrifice that sin has been washed away. So we don't need regret. We don't need to be depressed. Absolutely. Why? Because we have joy in eternity. So so that's what <laughs> I wanted to share with you guys. It's great. Yeah. Thank you for being our hope dealer this week. Yeah, man. that's I love it. That's my favorite medicine is hope. Hope and joy, baby. <clears throat> yeah, so to move us into the family portion, because, you know, finding joy in the pit, um, I've got a little story to kick, kick us off with that because I felt a little bit of um, financial despair recently. Um, still kind of dealing with that. Um, so prayers out there and hopefully prayers here too. Um, but – uh, here recently, my water heater had went out. Oh, and so for two weeks straight, we kind of me and my wife, uh, or my wife and I rather, we, uh, we kind of suffered in silence. We didn't really didn't say too much to too many people. We just kind of, you know, said, "Okay, we're going to take cold showers until I, was I get paid say, again." It's not very silent when you're taking cold showers. No, 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 no. <laughs> it is not fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, those are the noises for certain, and yeah, so it was just not fun, um, and. I mean, I did uh, mention it to a, a couple uh, close friends of mine, but it's always the same thing. Oh, well, you know, those are nice in the summertime. Um, it's like 17 degrees outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that water heater is not working. Uh, yeah. And putting pure ice on my body in the morning just to – and so, yeah, it has to be just quick showers. Um, you don't need coffee after that, though. No, that's you the, do not. That's the advantage. No, that is an advantage. And your clothes, no <laughs> matter what temperature, feel amazingly warm. That's it. That's yeah. it. So, so there is that solace in <laughs> putting on the, <laughs> and putting on that warm clothing, but it, yeah, it just it was it was tough, and um, so yeah, it, it just, we just kind of suffered. And it kind of actually uh, put my wife, both both her and I, in, in a kind of a an angered state, on a, on a you know, or, or a frustrated state, you know, uh, and anxiety about the financials. So then we were going on and and kind of you know, verbally at each other's throats a little bit because we just, we were trying to pick on each other about what we were, what we were actually frustrated about is just having a cold shower every morning. And, um, I know it's a creature comfort for us Americans. There's a lot of people out there that doesn't, you know, get that, but it's like, but I am used to a hot shower. So I feel like that, <laughs> that argument is valid. Yeah. I mean, a good um, argument warms you up though. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> uh, unlike my water heater did not. 
so <laughs> argue with your water heater. <laughs> That's right. But uh, thank God for a company called Hope Plumbing. Uh, oh, there you yeah. go. So they're they're uh, they're not a sponsor or anything, but I definitely want to plug them. They they uh, fast and friendly service. They are great. They worked with us because um, uh, my my paycheck actually didn't drop until later in the day. When they came, they did the service in the morning, and you know, I kind of was like, "Hey, I've, I'm going to have the money. I'll pay, pay you guys." But we've had them out before um, to clear our floor drains because the the um, when it rains here in Beach Grove, it, it just it backs it up. Floods. And, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, they've had to clear our floor drain a couple times uh, over the past couple of years. So uh, I've always been able to to call up Hope Plumbing, and um, they've like I said, fast friendly service, and and I was I thank God that uh, they're around and they gave me hope <laughs> out of my despair. And, you know, um, I was able to have that first hot shower here at home, and my goodness. You just stand under <laughs> for 20 minutes. You're like, oh, right, I remember yeah. what this feels like. Yeah, it was like <laughs> finding salvation all over again. It was just like, oh, God, that's beautiful. Oh, hey, there it is. <laughs> and um, to go along with that, uh, 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 the hope that I, I was given, um, our producer, Sterling, he has this uh, men's group that gets together once a week. Uh, we meet on Tuesdays, and um, I thank God for him coming into my life because outside of this uh, going on and him coming here and, and being part of this, we go to his men's group, and that's his thing. And um, But we're all able to be, like, accountable to each other. We talk about these things. And just as we're about to leave, i just like, okay, I need to externalize this thing. And, and so I mentioned it to, to Sterling, another friend in the men's group. And, um, it, yeah, they were like, hey, you know, we're, we're here for you, like – it's yeah. going to be all right, you know, and yeah. you got a few more days. And even Alan here uh, gave me a little bit of um, pat on the back and he was actually willing to kick me some money, but I, uh, I pridefully uh, declined. <laughs> he, he finally he, came out and said, boy, some water, right? What's that? Royal. <laughs> oh he yeah. Came out with a big pot. He said, here you go. Scoop some <laughs> snow in this. You're good. Hey, I've been so, there before though. Oh yeah. yeah. There aren't enough Dutch oven pots to, yeah, fill a bathtub. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, and they, don't, they don't even have a bathtub. No. You guys have got a really nice big stand up shower, yeah. so it's <laughs> you can fill that up pretty well. Like, yeah, yeah right. a lip at the bottom. <laughs> paid, paid plenty enough for it too. Uh, yeah, but it, it is pretty pretty nice to have that uh, shower rail in there and everything. But uh, yeah, uh, so I have this nice support group with Sterling and his men's group and Alan coming by and we're you know talking about it while taping his show and stuff and uh, commiserating a little bit. But yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, At least that's my you story can this week. you can commiserate with your grandparents and great grandparents who had to take a bath in a wash tub now. <laughs> uh, you know, sorry, this is Indiana. It was illegal to take a bath during this time of year. Oh, for several <laughs> that's, years. That's probably is that true? It is true. Is because it really? They thought they thought if you got wet, yeah, it made you get ill, get pneumonia, and, and you die. die. Yeah. And, uh, well, a good friend of mine, uh, she said <laughs> that when because uh, she's she's an older generation, she said though we didn't have. Yeah, indoor plumbing. That's what I'm saying. Man. Yeah, she said. But yeah, outside well, with the hose, man. Yeah, outside with the hose, or you had the little the the big wash tub that yep. sat outside, and you you jumped in and yep, you did stuff with a sponge and took care of yourself, and that's how you did, did it. it. <laughs> I'm picturing a bunch of kids, a bunch of people, filthy, going down to the lake and poking the ice with a stick, just yeah. waiting for it to thaw <laughs> enough to get in. Yeah. It's like I really stink. It's a, Come on, a true appreciation for the polar bear club right there. Degree for men is just not cutting it. <laughs> I'm over this groundhog not letting me take back. That's it. That's it. <laughs> 
Oh man, that's awesome. So how about you, Al? Do you have uh, some uh, story to go? Uh, some shining some... rainbows, my guy. What are you All the time. About? Okay. Okay. And, and Hope Hope Plumbing did come out and do some work at my house too. Oh yeah. Um, but that's I'm not here to plug them. I was gonna say maybe no. they should sponsor us. Maybe they yeah. should. Please. We'll wear t-shirts. Hope yeah. they do. Hope. Yeah. Plumbing. yeah. <laughs> Our Hope dealer. Though what happened happened this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so despair, despair, despair. Um, I mean, Don definitely knows I've dealt with, I've dealt with my fair share of anxiety and depression. Um, I've definitely had a time where I spent well over a month not getting out of my bed. Um, not feeling valuable to the world. Um, it's not myself. I mean, usually I'm pretty over the top and I have tons of energy and I try to do that. And, but I really just, I had no value. I had nothing in my head, nothing that got me out of, out of bed and, not only that, but everything seemed hard. Mm-hmm. And it's strangest thing. I've never been in a position where I've ever looked at something and didn't say, I can tackle that. Are you kidding me? I mean, I usually wake up in the morning, hop out of bed and go, yeah, I'm, I feel sorry for you today. Yeah. I feel sorry for you today because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear this up. And to not be able to get out of bed and to go, okay, I'm just going to stay here till I die because everything seems too hard. Driving, yeah. too hard. Everything was just too hard. Completely crippled by your own emotions. Yeah, and it was yeah. crazy because I'm not an incredibly emotional person and I typically I'm fairly logical. So I'm sitting there the whole time going, this makes no sense. Obviously, I'm dying. That's the only thing that could be happening here yeah. because that's the only thing I haven't experienced that right. could potentially lead to this, right? And uh, so, you know, I had... I had a decent support system, and and I mean I'm not gonna afraid to, I'm not afraid to say it. I used Zoloft. I was taking Zoloft for several years. I don't take it anymore, thankfully, because I'm really weird about that. But it took even that itself had its own stigma. They I talked to a doctor. And they said, "Hey, you're you have anxiety and depression. I suggest you take this, and it's gonna take a, a month or so to actually get into your system, and you start to notice things. I started noticing actually uh, noticing a difference within two or three days actually." And maybe that was a placebo effect. But I remember sitting there for three days just reading through the book and going, am I really going to take a psych med? Am I really that person? Well, you know what? I'd rather be that person than the person I was not getting out of my bed. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so thank- thankfully after years of taking it and then just building up, I'm, I'm not going to say mental strength because I'm not going to say people who have anxiety or depression are weak, but kind of building up a callus essentially to that. And, and not only that, but – a recognition, right? A fortitude, and and coping, healthy coping mechanisms, right? Yeah, and um, yeah, and just understanding when it's happening. Yeah, you know, before it it spiraled. Before I I didn't know what it was. It spiraled out of control before I could manage it, and then suddenly I found myself in that pit. And once I found my way out of it, I realized, okay, well, my foot's starting to slip, and what do I need to do to get better traction and get back out of this pit? So. That's it's really kind of you know it's an ongoing thing it will always be there, but I'm not gonna let it win. So, I mean I'm not letting you guys carry me, right? <laughs> I mean so Joy grasped your hand and yanked you back up out of the out of the pit. Absolutely, found That's Joy why I pit. always have a pair of cleats in my car. It's good just Dig in case in. <laughs> I start to slip. I was I was afraid you were saying that so you could carry my casket. You're like I always carry cleats because one day I'm getting <laughs> that call. Only only if it's like on the top of a hill on I, a rainy day. I know Alan would choose the worst spot to be buried. <laughs> so guys, I want to be uh, buried on the tallest hill in Washington, <laughs> and I want it really and rocky. I want it to be really rocky. <laughs> 
Oh, that was only great because I heard the we heard the little twinkling there, yeah, and then right? we could actually hear Journey upstairs howling. It was like <laughs> no, that just completed this image. My friend, uh, she's no <laughs> weekly contributor, <laughs> one way or another, isn't she? How about you, Louis? Do you have a, a story of uh, despair and hope? Who hasn't? Closer to the mic, please. Who hasn't? I had quite a few. I worried a lot about my kids, my wife. And um, like you, I went through the having cold water and not heat. But I was lucky that I always had a mother that I went to and took a bath. And um, and money. We all worry about money. And um, I guess that's about the most I worried about. Now, I don't worry about it too much because... It doesn't pay. It doesn't pay to pay. It doesn't pay at all to worry anymore because I'm too old. And I just take life in the flow. And whatever God wants me to do, or sooner or later God would take care of you. Always. Absolutely. He never, he, he lets, he, he, you could be drowning, but he don't let you drown. He always brings you back out. That's the way I see it. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, I typically like to say, you know, I can impact the things inside my wingspan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, anything inside here, I can impact. <clears throat> Outside of that, I either have to accept, yeah, or wait till it gets close enough. That's it. <laughs> Think globally, act locally. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I would have to say, you know, I've. I've probably got a laundry list of different things, and and you know, just laundry is like, one of them. Laundry is one of them. I get <laughs> it's always a headache. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, especially when you have a 12 going on 13 year old that doesn't want to do it, um, and a five year old who doesn't want to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Um, uh, you know, there have been a lot of, I would, say, I'm I'm going to call them incredible moments because. Excuse me. You know, for for myself, for my wife, for our family, we've been in situations before where we were literally down in the dumps, when we were literally homeless, when we were literally penniless. And, you know, I can look back on um, those times and I can can definitely now find hope and now find joy in those things because I know that where I'm at today has not only – you know, I, I made mention at the beginning, uh, you know, not regretting because I wouldn't be the person I am today if I if I went back and changed all that. Not to say that I wouldn't want to, yeah. but I feel like the lessons that I've been able to learn from those things where I can find my hope is, A, knowing first and foremost that uh, I have an eternal life set aside for me, that anything that I am depressed or anxious about here. I can find joy in knowing that in eternity, I won't have to worry about those things. You know, we will have a life that is set aside from those things. Uh, but secondly, um, you know, the strength of, of my wife and my uh, leadership and faith and uh, just patience and things like that, uh, the community of people that we have around us, you know, um, Alan, uh, my other uh, very good friend, uh, one of my best friends, Josh Demery. Um, you know, we have a really strong network of friends uh, and family that we lean on 
and that we and that we want to lean on us, you know, and yeah. um, to be able to have that uh, that reconciling relationship and to be able to bear each other's burdens. Um, I think that is a huge thing uh, in our life uh, is and, and, you know, for a time, a long time, I think probably th- three, four, four years, something along those lines. Uh, my wife and I, um, we did uh, our Friday night. We did a, a thing that we used as a Friday night ministry, and it was essentially a life group picnic every Friday night. We would invite anybody who wanted to come over, and we'd feed them. And the only requirement was that you show up and hang out. Yeah. You didn't have to bring anything. And and being able to have that, uh, especially after so many struggles before then, um was just so awesome and like we found so much hope and so much joy and so much healing in that uh, because we knew that we had a community of people that loved us and that we could love back and you know that's why you know probably out of <clears throat> out of the things I talked about during the message time loneliness is probably something that I have dealt with before but because I'm such an extrovert and because people are something that I am passionate about and compassionate to, um, I think that it's easier for me to find some relief in, in being lonely because I have people that I can lean on and just say, you know what? I love hanging out with you. I love being around you. And we haven't hung out in a while, but you know, I was it two weeks ago, Alan and I were supposed to meet up with a bunch <laughs> of friends of ours that we used to work with at books and brews on the South side of Indy. It just ended up being he and I, and I was like, at first I was like, well, I mean, Alan and I haven't gotten a chance to hang out, just the two of us in a long time. We'll hang out for a little bit and see what happens. We literally sat at the table for like two and a half hours just jawjacking and, you know, making fun of the the musicians and not in a mean spirited way, but they were having a good Don, time. It was a cover band and Don wasn't in a mean spirited way. No. No, Alan was, but it's okay. <laughs> it's just, I'm trying to get back some of this street cred I've lost right. you guys. <laughs> this segment has hurt me more than it's helped yes, me guys. That's well Josh was like That's Alan. Josh is like, Alan's been a great guy. Don's right. like, Alan's a great guy. Yeah. Hey Alan, <laughs> bear your soul. This is a horrible segment for me guys. <laughs> <laughs> this kills the credibility on my that's show. Right. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Well, you but have you have your show to make up for that. They're so. gonna be like, oh, and Alan's next show is guest will be a Care Bear. <laughs> 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 um, so so I think that that that's you know, uh, there have been a lot of different things um, in my life and and in the. Uh, the life of my wife and I that that I think could have very easily sent us spiraling down into a really deep dark pit and and for a time did but I think that our you know we find our hope in the Lord we find our strength in the Lord and and we've been blessed with having friends and family that have that have sometimes pulled us up and sometimes led us and sometimes have allowed us to lead them so it is that network of friends and family for yeah. sure that it's, it's a close knit. Well, close to our hearts, right? I mean, yeah. on the show, um, I, got a, I got a praise report for those watching. To know that, uh, you got a new water heater. <laughs> got a new water heater for sure, but um, um, fr- close friends and family, but also uh, members of Lighthouse Community Church. I know that it was I was in the prayer group there for a while because of the, the heart scare that I had uh, a while back. Um, went in and did a uh, echocardiogram with um, Doppler mm-hmm. here recently and got the phone call a few days later. Um, clean bill of health, man. My, that's my heart's, awesome. it, it, Praise the Lord. whatever, that's what awesome. it was, they that's couldn't it. find it, man. They couldn't find it. 
That's awesome. God just... Doppler picked up a small thunderstorm. <laughs> I knew you were going for it, Don. Yeah, I'm so glad you did. It that. was stormy weather there for a little while, but yeah. you know, yeah. clear, clear skies. Clear skies now. That's great. Yeah, it is amazing, dude. Because and I and, and I'd never been like with with a Doppler before. And I had had an EKG before because they you know they stick the those horrible things all over your body, you know, and you're like, oh, I know that these are gonna suck when they come off. Yeah. They literally, um, yeah, they yeah. they pull all the hair, like yeah. all, all the hair, all of it, all of it. <laughs> they don't leave anything behind. That's right. So yeah, Kelly Clarkson. Um, um, but <laughs> I was thinking I'm like Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> Certainly, turn Joe Absolutely. Afghan into uh, Afghanistan. Uh, no. <laughs> I've been no. through that a lot. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Louis got some uh, a lot of experience in, in, in that field. Sterling, I'm sorry. Uh, he's he's over there just losing it. He is red as a beat. Red as a beat. As the microphone uh, that is in front of me. Um, <laughs> wow, Sterling, come back, man! Yeah. Producer Sterling's—he's down for the count. We lost yeah. him. Again. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I experienced in that in that EKG was that that Doppler I'd never seen. It. So it's a, it's like a, the ultrasound, you know, mm-hmm. but just for your heart. And she's have the ladies, the nurses having me lay different ways to kind of uh, get a better picture of my heart and the different valves and stuff. And I I, I was just amazed. I was like, looking at and, and she's sitting there telling me all about the heart and how it works. And I, and all I could think was mechanics type of stuff was like, oh, I was like, oh, so it's like an engine. Yeah. Yeah. And valve I, in, valve out. Yeah. I was <laughs> truly like yeah. in awe of like. It's a two-stroke engine, but a one-stroke brain. <laughs> <laughs> Never been checked for Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You got crickets on that one, That's sir. That's it. That's uh, all right. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was just in awe of like watching a heart in its, you natural know, environment. Natural environment. You just—I mean, I really was. I, I was like, it was outside. It doesn't yeah. do, <laughs> yeah. do something. <laughs> it just, yeah. I mean, um, it, it was. It was. It was uh, amazing to me. Like I—I I don't know why it was just so like. Uh, I, it was just like a, an experience. I'm watching my heart on a monitor, and I'm hearing it beat, and watching the. She changed the colors on it so it could uh, show me. Uh, Close your heart right now. My my blood flow. So what the what the Doppler does because it, it um and the, this like 3D effect or whatever is when it uh, they add the colors to it it shows your blood going in and out and I was even more in awe I was like this is amazing like how how the body really works like God God really constructed something amazing with the human body but like just watching the heart work and just just how that goes it, it, I was in awe I, and and to know that he decided. Through the prayers of many friends and family, that he was just gonna make all that start working again, normal. It just blows me away. Just blows me away. So I got a lot of hope in that. It's amazing. I was yeah. We were all pretty worried about you. Yeah, I'm uh not one hundred percent. I'm still. I think uh, they're they're pretty sure that it's it's stress related, but that's just because I'm worry wart, and hopefully I'll get over that. <laughs> so when one, does the one way or another, test, one way or another, sure. <laughs> when does the cancer test come? Cancer test? Oh, when okay. They go up. <laughs> I'm not quite that age yet. <laughs> well, now I feel really age. bad because he was he was having issues with his heart. And we were sitting there working on the Laughing Libertarian, and you know I'm like trying to push through and get this thing recorded and everything else. And he's like, and I'm like, yeah, 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 come on, come on. No, I didn't do that to him at all. But, <laughs> no, but he stayed it's the course. Not that shocking, Josh. Like yeah. here, we both can just get a defibrillator, just mount it right there on the wall. It's not a big deal. You take a shot, I'll take a shot. That's it. That's I mean, he's it. been there before. He knows. Yeah. He's went through it all too. I thought you had the same thing I had. I'm I'm really happy you're yeah. you're no. good though. Really, that was that was definitely concerning. 
Yeah. yeah and, and I needed it too this week because, uh, uh, this week was, was pretty tough on me at work. And so I, I had to do a lot of, uh, physical labor that I am just not used to. I, I mean, I, when I was younger, I've worked in a warehouse and everything I, I could keep up, but I'm a little bit older now, a little bit more aches and pains, but, uh, uh, moving those boxes around and stuff is kind of, you know, bringing me back to those memories of when I was in a warehouse when I was younger and checking in all these, uh, Assets, machines, laptops, however you want to look at it. But anyway, uh, I had to label them ind- individually. So I had to pull them out of the box, make the labels for them, put them on individually, and put them back in the box. And it was 200 machines and just one client. So I was on my feet for two and a half days, like nonstop. I had like just enough time to maybe like sit down, eat a bag of chips, and then I had to go right back to it. So yeah, I needed I needed my heart working <laughs> at a 100%. So uh, God bless everyone that that, uh, that sent prayers and love and and care. Because it worked, because God took care of me. That's awesome, man. So I just That's wanted awesome. to give that phrase report. Um, so on to even better news. Yeah, we're gonna dip right into uh, the politics portion of uh, tonight's show, uh, or this afternoon's show, or well, you know, whenever time watching. travel. Whenever you're watching, we so, do this at night. <laughs> we do tape this at That's night. Right. Um, it's the only time it's legal. <laughs> I, we had a, a discussion topic on uh, on my pad podcasts and discuss that podcasters are actually true time travelers. Yeah. Because you can listen to a podcast from four years ago and it's still there. Well, not only that, but it could still be relevant too. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, I've done that a few times. I've been watching uh, an old episode of someone's podcast and, and, you know, whether it be faith or political or whatever, you know, all all the the bullet points of this show for sure. I'm like, wait a minute, this is from four years ago. How is this? Right. <laughs> How's this still completely relevant? How's this exactly what's going on now? Um, but uh, on the uh, Dan Bongino show, the Bongino Report, uh, it's one of my favorite sources to kind of go back to and and spider out from um, to, to to find our articles. So if you're looking for a good news source, uh, the Bongino Report is, is a good place to go. So just go to the DanBonginoShow.com and uh, and find some good articles there. Uh, this one come from the Dan Bongino Show. I'm Certainly Bongino you don't have to write that down. We'll share it with you. <laughs> Try to probably be in the show notes. <laughs> um, so uh, this title is, The Lawsuits Are Coming. Kyle Rittenhouse Launches Media Accountability Project. Names who he's suing first. So the lawsuits are coming. Uh, last night, or this, this was last night when this article was written, of course, uh, Tucker Carlson was uh, joined by Kyle Rittenhouse, known for defending uh, both uh, Kenosha and uh, his own life against a violent mob, rioters who were <clears throat> part of a greater movement that resulted in the deaths of at least 25 Americans and caused billions of dollars in damage, <clears throat> uh, property damage uh, nationwide in the summer of 2020. That, that uh, place that shall not be, or that uh, organization that, that shall not be named. Um, Contrary to reality uh, and <clears throat> learning nothing from uh, Covington Catholic debacle, the media managed to spin a tale that Kyle, who the, who only shot white people, one of whom was a child rapist, did uh, did so in the name of white supremacy, <clears throat> as preposterous as that is, among countless other lies about the circumstances that night. So um, one of them uh, that it goes on to be named here is uh, Holocaust denier Whoopi Goldberg. Whippy. <laughs> um, so she had plenty to say. She uh, went as Rabbi far as Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> uh, she called him a murderer. Uh, well, after the verdict had come through that he was acquitted, that he was not a murderer, that he was just defending himself. And um, 
Yeah, it didn't didn't turn out too well for her. So uh, after her two week suspension, she's going to be looking at these these lawsuits uh, as as soon as these letters start going out and letting them know that they need to uh, be accountable for what they say and 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 what they do in the media. And they need to be more honest and more fair when when they're reporting things, even if they're on an opinion show like The View. I have to say it's hilarious that her name actually comes from her letting gas out of one end, and now she's getting in trouble for gas coming out the other. <laughs> they should get all of them. Every yeah. one of them under view. Yeah, and so uh, the reason Kyle had uh, worked together with this group of lawyers was because of what all he went through. What? what? Don't What's going on here? Just, I feel like I'm missing don't, something here. Don't go ten seconds later. I'm, and just, shake still, your head at me. I'm just still lingering in it. That's all. Oh, uh, Whoopi's yeah. gas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why well, your nose is curled. Then I take it. That's it. It'd it. gray your beard. Sorry, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Josh. Sorry, we'll we'll get it back on the rails. (laughs) No worries. Um, So yeah, he goes on to say that you know uh, there was a group of there were numerous people that called him a a murderer and 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 they were they slanderously so had done had done that and they wanted to make sure that this doesn't happen again to anyone else um, in this situation. Like if someone else gets in this situation like Kyle, that it doesn't happen the way it did for him, and that the media starts reporting more honestly. And uh, want to hold them accountable and say, hey, you're going to get sued if you start being dishonest. The Laughing Libertarian is a completely opinionated post. It has nothing to do with the news. We don't report it. Let's just clarify <laughs> that right now. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I think that uh, they'll probably just have to come, come after the whole of uh, CNN, MSNBC, and all the other fake news that it's out there. Um <laughs> I feel like Alan wants to say something. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> That's a post-show comment. <laughs> You'll see this comment in the next Laughing Libertarian. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any thoughts? Uh, other thoughts on uh, Kyle Rittenhouse's uh, lawsuit here? And, and no, it's about the time somebody did something to them, right? Because um, what they do is not right. They lie a lot. They make up stories, and they hurt a lot of people. I mean, they, they, they. they Go on and they say, oh, well, you know, you're sowing distrust in our media. Well, quit being so distrustful, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, this young man uh, is, is going a, a, a big step further than most of us. And, you know, um, he's got some lawyers behind him. He's going to start holding them accountable. I hope he does really well. Uh, I, I, gotta, I don't have the website right here in front of me, but there is a website where you can go and um, um, donate to the cause to help see it in front of me here um but i will put it in the show i'll put it in the show notes so if you're if you're watching us on youtube rumble please watch us on on rumble uh preferably but uh youtube rumble facebook um listening on the podcast uh, on apple podcast google Podcasts, spotify all those good things so just go ahead and mention it while i'm at it do it fire away. right uh yeah so like share comment 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 break those algorithms so that we can get through and bring you more wonderful wonderful content and get some sponsors hopefully Subscribe, but, subscribe. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, subscribe all day long and and many plays. Just just let it play on a loop on your uh, devices. Um, get two devices, three. Get two, de- get two devices, <laughs> and then just run back and back ep- back to back episodes of FFP and. We are working our butts off laughing, to, to make this happen. So, so yeah, I'll make sure and I'll put that in the in the description um, for the show this week, and also uh, put it in the credits this week so that we can make sure that everybody gets the chance to to donate to this cause and hold the media account accountable. As Louis said, it's about time. It's about time. Yes. And that moves us into our uh, next. Uh, speaking of accountability, that moves us into our next uh, uh, article here. Um, 
from uh, conservativefighters.co. Um, Justin Trudeau revokes emergency powers used to target Freedom Convoy uh, not long after <laughs> invoking them. So uh, on Wednesday, the Associated Press reported that Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will revoke the Emergencies Act uh, after using the powers to break up the uh, target key organizers and participants in Freedom Convoy protest, <clears throat> a movement of truckers and citizens who protested can- uh, Canada's vaccine mandate and restrictions. The AP first reported the story. Uh, Canadian Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau announced Wednesday he is removing emergency powers uh, police uh, and uh, can uh, can use uh, uh, after authorities ended uh, the, the border blockades by the opposed to COVID-19 restrictions as well as the occupation of downtown Ottawa. Uh, Trudeau invoked these powers uh, last week, and lawmakers affirmed the powers late Monday. Trudeau said that uh, then the powers were still needed, but uh, noted they would not still be in place a day longer than necessary. So it was just it was just enough time to try to clean up what he called fringe minority, what he called um, terrorists, and it was just people that said, hey, man, I want to just be able to make a paycheck and not have to stick a needle in my arm to do so. Um, it was also noted by the AP that the emergency powers were granted to the Canadian government authority uh, to declare uh, certain areas as a no, as no-go zones and also allowed police to freeze truckers, literally and figuratively, uh, personal and corporate bank accounts, uh, and compel tow truck companies to haul away vehicles. Uh, and that word compel means force. Mm-hmm. Oh, essentially, yeah. I mean, um, so it, it, they they did not have a good time in getting through this. Um, uh, now, in in other provinces within Canada, the the truckers did win, and then these these things are being repealed and pulled back, and and slowly uh, being pulled down um, like a very heavy curtain. But um, Trudeau is is trying to rule with an iron fist. He's uh, he's definitely being very tyrannical and his movements, and he could have killed these truckers. I mean, not allowing them to get gas. People were just bringing them gasoline so that they could warm their trucks. They were doing this as it was a peaceful protest, man. He was They weren't burning down buildings. They weren't destroying a Wendy's, you know. They were just out there with their trucks. God forbid they block a few lanes of traffic. They're going to do that anyway with the infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. So it might as well let them be out there and let their voices be heard so they can say, Hey, we don't want this. We want to just work. And, uh, I don't know. Anybody else have anything to say about this? I feel like I've been going on a little bit of a rant here. No, we're going to let you walk down that bridge. (laughs) (laughs) We can't drive across it. (laughs) It's a little icy. icy, It's Canadian. They were also arresting people that would bring them gas. Yeah. How unlawful is that? I mean, they're not even, uh, saying up their oath, right? I mean, I'm sure that the, the, being a police officer in Canada can't be that much different from being a police officer uh, in in the states. In that your oath is to protect the people, to serve the people. Uh, but I hear that uh, Canadian police are more tougher than our police over here. I, I don't know about that. Um, certainly, they're they're better at handling the cold. Um, but um, plus, they've got those cool red jackets and they ride horses. Don't you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey. Uh, them trumping over people. <laughs> That's what they yeah. use mostly for. So there is a video that was uh, released not too long ago. Um, there there was uh, some of their, their Mounties mm-hmm. coming through uh, via horseback, and they actually trampled a, a young woman. Uh, I don't know if she's yeah, young, she, but a woman. Um, and she was an older lady. Older lady in a wheelchair. 
in a wheelchair. Oh, wow. would, yeah, so uh, it's hard to see in that, but it's one of those, uh, those smaller foldable fold yeah. wheelchairs. But still, regardless of what kind of wheelchair it was, yeah. or regardless if she was in a wheelchair to begin with, yeah, they still trampled that woman and didn't even look back. Was mm-hmm. it was it really a trampling, or was it a joust? You have her <laughs> mounted, they're mounted on a horse, they're going at each other. Yep, you don't know. We don't know. Anything it's, hard, it's hard to tell. Hard to tell, but yeah, uh, they, yeah they they were definitely not uh, standing up to, the, to their oath at all, and uh, they should be held accountable. Maybe Kyle Rittenhouse should go figure out how to pull his team and go sue them somehow for running that woman over because I I, I just it, it, my heart sunk. I yeah. they they warned me before you. Wa- I mean, every time I've watched this video, the first time I watched this video, they, they warned me and said, you know, this is graphic. It's 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 hard to watch. I didn't quite believe them. And then I did, and I regretted it because I was like, okay, I should have just went by their word. It, do, it, it, this video does exist. Uh, please know that it is graphic, and and it will disturb you. Uh, for I, I lost some sleep. I'll be honest. Yeah, I lost some sleep. And over the night, they were arresting the leaders, the yeah. police, some man and some girl, I think some woman. Yeah, yep, they sure did. They they pulled pulled away protesters in the middle of the night. Um, just like, like just like some thieves, they just come and and took them away, and it, it's awful. It's awful, and no no one to save them. Yeah, you know, and it breaks my heart because we're next. You know, as a country, are we going to just stand by and take it, or you know, are are we going to? It's not necessarily a call to arms, but I'm just saying, are we going to do that? We're going to be. Um, have have a guts enough to go out there and say we're not going to take it. We're going to protest nonviolently. We're going to tell you exactly how we feel, and you're going to just understand that you you're not going to arrest us. That we have rights. We have a constitution that protects us, mm-hmm. God given, big R God given rights. And uh, they they can't push us around. They can't they can't make us fall. They, I mean they can't. Period. I mean they, that's the thing. A lot of these things you see happening uh, happening in other countries with uh, governments taking charge and and uh, being fairly tyrannical. You're not going to see that in America. Yeah. You know you're not going to see another Australia here. That's not going oh to happen. Gosh, you're not going to see Canada guys. happen here. You just can't see that. I mean, even I know we're going to get into Russia, but I mean yeah. like Ukraine, right? I mean they they have a lot of them weren't armed to begin with. Yeah, and I'm not saying that you know, you're not going to see that here or something like that. But you're not, and you're not, and there's a reason. The government isn't going to come to your door knowing there's a good chance they're going to meet the other end of a barrel. Yeah, and so um, I, I totally blanking because I wasn't thinking this just kind of came up. But one a dictator, I, I completely blanking. I wish we had uh, some way to look it up real quick, you know, like the internet. But he said, you know, Sterling. <laughs> It was basically <laughs> something along the lines of uh, <laughs> that. Basically, you know, peace comes from the barrel of a of a gun. Yeah. And then he says this. He takes over. Then he takes all guns. Right. Yeah. Like that's the thing. You you cannot rule people with firearms who have yeah. firearms, and that's why we won't see that here. Right. Well, and you can't you can't rule people in general that are willing to die to defend themselves, and that is very much. The backbone of the U.S. You know, we were we were a country that was ruled by tyranny from three thousand miles away, British. and then we took it upon ourselves to rid ourselves of that tyranny and then to put things in place so that that didn't happen again. So that I think if 
to answer your, you know, if I was going to answer your question, I would, I would agree with Alan wholeheartedly. Like our system of government and the people that live in this country, for the most part, even honestly, I don't think it really matters what way you lean. The vast majority of people are not going to be okay with that sort of thing happening here. You know, the vast majority of people, even if we disagreed politically, yeah. can still look at the government and go, yeah, watching the police force trample someone in a, a wheelchair, trample someone in general, you know, watching watching the police force arrest people who are peacefully protesting, peacefully protesting, we're not, we're not going to be okay with that, yeah. you know, and, and we're not going to just sit around and, and let it happen, you know. It's interesting, though, like the dichotomy, right? You have one side, and this is just politically in the country, right? You have one side who says, believe what the government tells you. Yep. But we hate the police. Yeah. You have the other side saying, I trust the police wholeheartedly. I don't trust the government. Yeah. But you better believe, though, if, like you just said. Yeah. If something came down from the top like that, because the government would have been trying to use the police to, right. to actually make that happen – both sides would say, okay, look, we don't trust anybody. We don't trust right. any of these people whatsoever. This isn't going to happen. And, I, you know, you can't fight the government when they have nuclear weapons and F-15s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, even if you can't, you're talking about the, is the country willing to completely annihilate and obliterate their own people just for the sake of standing on a, you know, hilltop? in a completely desolate country and saying, we won. No. The hardest no. battle they ever fought. Yeah, they're hardest. not going to do that. They're not well, going to do that. And and even those weapons with the kind of people that you'd have mm-hmm. in the locations you'd have them, right? you would not only have to kill your own people, you'd have to destroy your major cities. Yeah, absolutely. As we were told, right? Um, yeah. Land can't vote. People vote, right? Then right. Where are those people? In the cities. Okay, are you going to destroy the major cities of this country right. to try to defend uh, your reputation or, right. or because your pride was hurt? No. And when you have that many you have hundreds of thousands, millions of people descending upon Washington, D.C., if something like that happened, right? What are you going to destroy the Capitol? No. No, you're not. And the other thing is, too, when you look at it, I mean, we, we are a country that is, that is essentially protected by a civilian army. Like, you we know, are the we militia. Have, yeah, we have. Well, and, and, and not just, you know, the majority of, of the population of the United States, but but outside outside of the military that signs a contract and does it full time, you're talking about National Guards people. You know, there's a huge amount of National Guards people who live mostly a civilian life and then they fulfill their National Guard duties when they need to. I mean, people who are living, you know, 75% of a civilian life are are more than likely, I would guess, probably not going to just jump at the chance to fight the people who live next door. You know, like I don't know a lot of people who would be willing to do that sort of thing. Well, I could go on even further with um, citizens protecting themselves, uh, no matter what side you stand on, because we've kind of we've proven we've gotten gotten there with COVID actually. Yeah. Because uh, I've noticed that um, people who actually took the opposite stance of myself uh, during COVID, at this point now, where they're like, "Hey, you know, the 15 days to slow the spread has turned into three years." Uh, you know, I'm I've taken, done. I've taken all these shots. Yeah. I've done yeah. all these things. You know, we're not trying to, 
We're not trying to speak out against that. We don't want to no. YouTube yeah. the things it's, that it's for every person to decide yeah. on their own. You decide it's how for you, every person to decide on. You their do own. that for sure. But you are seeing um, you are seeing that wearing yeah. down. And actually, I saw news reports. Yahoo sends me a message every single day, and it's always doom and gloom. With sorry, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way to get rid of it. Yeah, it won't go away. But every day, honestly, for two years now, it's been doom and gloom. COVID. They don't give me any other news. Yeah. Today, I got a message from them that actually said COVID infections are decreasing, you know, tenfold in the United States and right. things like that. It's like, okay, you're playing the game. Everybody's been playing the game. It, yeah, like you're saying, everyone is tired. Everyone is wearing down. Yep. You know, and they're fed up. Yeah, we're fed they up. They're not going to, and, and, and I don't see, uh, it firing up the machine again. Like if, if, uh, like let's say another COVID or COVID type thing were to come through, I don't think you would have as much compliance as you had this last time around. I think more people are uh, awake now, um, and, and are going, <laughs> no, I'm not doing this again. I'm living my life. Now maybe they'll still mask up or whatever they feel yeah. like they need to do, measures. but they're still going to live their life. They're still going to go day to day. There's no staying home for 10 days or whatever. That's just not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Um, and especially I think, um, with uh, small companies and employers, they're going to go sick days are not a, not a thing like that no more. We, we took care of you during the pandemic for sure, but not you know now we're we're well past that. We're we're not going to put up. We're a, capitali- we we're a capitalist society, and we got to start making capital. Yeah, we're not going to sit there and lose money because uh, of a uh, <clears throat> we, we could actually beat this thing. You know what was it? Uh, I think it was ninety eight point uh, point something percent mm-hmm. uh, 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 being able to beat it. Yeah. So <laughs> it just ain't going to work. Well, um, and, we, and we have other big things that that we're dealing with at this point, and and yeah. COVID is not it. You know, yeah. COVID is still a concern, but COVID is not it. It's not the big boy on the block anymore. No, uh, as a matter of fact, the potential of the brink of a world war. Yeah. Um, that brings us into our, our, our third article, article here, which I want to um, kind of tip into that point with um, – uh, the corruption that, that comes from this uh, before we actually go into this full discussion here um, because uh, this alert that came from Analyzing America, um, they said, uh, look look who Hunter Biden received $3.5 million uh, from, the richest woman in Russia. Um, Joe Biden is accused of being weak and soft on Russia, which uh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, personally, um, uh, which has led to death and destruction as Putin decided to wage an all-out war into Ukraine this week. Uh, one dark secret from the, the Biden's past has surfaced uh, and caught the eye of many Americans. Hunter Biden, uh, once again in the news, for receiving a staggering 3.5 million wire transfer from Elena Bartiriana, um, the richest woman in Russia, and the widow of Yuri Luskov, <laughs> who has... Uh, Yuri Luskov. Okay, so now I can say it. Um, <laughs> um, what just happened? <laughs> uh, well, the guy's dead. He just channeled Josh. Yeah. Um, I got pretty decent Russian. Uh, what do you say? Uh, Yuri. Impression. Yeah, Yuri. Hit, hit him with the holy water. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but he was the former mayor of Moscow. Um, why was this wire sent, you ask? Uh, Botrina disclosed that uh, they have a financial relationship, in quotations there. Um, 
but declined to delve deeper into why that wire transfer was made. The payment was made to uh, the Biden's investment firm in early 2014. Uh, fast forwarding to 2022, there's a widespread speculation that the Bidens have been uh, doing favors for the Russians all along. So there's a big Russia, Russia, Russia connection. Um, turns out it wasn't Trump, that it was the people's pointing the finger the whole time. And here it is. Um, here's the proof, guys. Um, and there is, there's no pudding. <laughs> and this is all happening before Biden even took office. <laughs> I was going to say the proof is in the Putin. The Putin. But oh, Putin. oh, no. But you stole it from oh, me. I ruined it with a much worse joke. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Republicans and Democrats agreed. This is uh, this is across the board. This is bipartisan. Republicans and Democrats agreed that Russia posed a real threat to our nation. And uh, taking action, uh, President Trump had signed legislation into law uh, following a, bi a bipartisan effort to – uh, to the House of, Rep uh, House of Armed Services Committee to recommend imposing sanctions on Russia. And in 2019, Congress had passed those measures against Russia. Um, so I know that there are some thoughts at this table, so I want to I start with Louis um, on what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and these things kicking off. If you said Russia attack in Ukraine... Um, there's a lot of people being dying in the Ukraine. You, there's about a hundred and some people dying already, and about two hundred people hurt. You got a lot of Ukraine people in shelters and subways, and you could see them over there pleading and crying to the world to help them. And um, it's like Putin told Biden, if um, you put any, how you say, you take our money? Sanctions. And sanctions and yeah, the ones close our banks with. and all that. The United States is going to feel it. Also, you can't trust the Germans. They have betrayed us before, and now they're saying that they spit on the United States. Hmm. And they told Biden to challenge us. What did that tell you? We got 4,000 Americans in Germany. What happens if Germany goes against the United States and help the Russians? Is Biden going to get them out of there or leave them in there? I'm going to defer to you, Alan. Well, the, the upside is that Germany's military is is pretty much relying on ours. Um, that's why we have so many people there, so much personnel. We actually had a lot of troops there until they were pulled out by um, number 45. Fair enough. Uh, he pulled a lot just, of them out of Just there. put a bunch of smiles across for people who can't see us on camera. Just listening on audio, that put smiles on our faces when he said 45. Just one. You know, he pulled a lot out of there. That was because Germany wouldn't actually pony up any money to take care. You know, we are paying our soldiers to be there. We're paying to feed them. We're paying to house right. them and so on and so forth. And then we are paying to protect Germany in case something bad happens. And when we pulled the troops, when we pulled the troops, um, a lot of Germans were actually really, really worried that we weren't going to be there to protect them anymore. See, the problem is Germany at the moment is incredibly reliant on Russia because they are so green and so eco-friendly and so much better than all of us 
but they got rid of a lot of their petrol and they're they're relying on natural gas which oh, they so can't good. make they right. can't provide for themselves so they're getting the majority of that from from Russia and that is why we were going to drop sanctions on them and we were especially economic sanctions with swift but Europe won't back it because they get their natural gas in there and as soon as they say hey you can't get to you can't get it to your money you're not going to get any money whatsoever Russia's going to say cool it's the winter good luck without natural gas yeah and so now you have all those countries backing out and we're backing out because we're worried about the European about the EU but as we know right now we might just be backing out of these sanctions and stopping them with their economic uh, processing through swift yeah because there might be a little bit more back backhanded dealing going on is what you're saying and so i wasn't trying to pull no. away from you but germany that's a they're not a contender against us per se but they aren't going to ruin them ruin their relationship with russia anytime soon so what do you think about biden saying i mean putin saying that we're going to feel it what do you think they're going to hurt us with that we Wheat, you know, what they call it, um, the food, wheat. Um, wheat. Wheat. Wheat, you yeah. got it. You got it. Um, that we would feel it. I don't, I'm don't. i not too certain on what he said about us feeling. I know he made the one comment that if we interfere that we'll, you know, we'll see a reaction that we've never seen in our lifetime. Um, you know, I mean, Putin is a man of posturing. Uh, Russia, Russia, while it's such a large country with a lot of people, they actually have about, they have the GDP equal to Italy. They, they really don't have a whole lot going on, to be honest with you. Uh, palladium, titanium, cobalt, things like that, they're important for our manufacturing and for batteries. Um, again, we're not as reliant on batteries as the EU, so it's not that big of a deal. Their military is, what what I hear the other night, about 2.6 million troops. But they also have a lot of allies, they, just like the United States have a lot of allies. And then we got to worry about Cuba. That's part of Russia. Well, and that was the, the biggest issue was that we have allies, and that's what actually kind of kicked this off. A lot of people aren't talking about this, and this is what kind of bothered me. They Media on all all channels is saying that Putin is trying to – okay, I'm sorry. Putin is trying to just ex, use expansionism. He's trying to take over Ukraine. Um, really, his whole qualm is that NATO, which exists to keep, this, to keep the Russia from growing, is actually growing. Right, so when Ukraine puts in an application to become a member of NATO, that's NATO growing, and Putin wanted to have that buffer zone. He wants a country that it's not, that he can control, that's not Russia, and that's not NATO. So NATO is on their front door. I mean, I and again, I'm not on Putin's side here, but if Russia was to lean into Canada right now and say, "Hey, you know, a lot of that money being pushed to those truckers was coming from America." Now we don't know what America's thinking, but obviously they're trying to weaken you. Right. Wouldn't you want us to have your back? Right. Why don't you agree with us? And then Canada becomes an affiliate or an ally of Russia. Well, now we have a Russian ally that shares a giant border with us. You know, how would we manage that? We're perfectly fine right now, but how would we manage that? And that's kind of where he's at. Is going. I don't want a member of NATO here. So NATO. I'm going to hurry up real quick. I know we're we're close. Oh, yeah, you're good. But NATO dragging their feet, not saying no. Ukraine, you're not a member of NATO. You're not going to be. Or yes, you are. That that in between that gray zone has allowed Putin to do this because if they say no, it's not a it's to no problem with with Putin whatsoever. He's not going to to waste money going after the Ukraine when 
But if they say yes, then they're a member of NATO and he knows attacking Ukraine now becomes an issue because of Article 5. And everyone, he has to deal with everybody. So I guess that just kind of muddied the water. But it is kind of strange to see countries that we're allied with, like Germany, who's going to stick it out where they are and not want to do anything because they'll shut their gas off. Mm-hmm. It sucks being green. So what do you think about New York News blaming Trump for this war? Blaming Trump for the war? What did they say exactly? They said that the reason this war is happening is because of Trump, of the pipeline and all that. This was New York Times, right? Yeah. Yep. I typically don't. The failing New York Times, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought, is that, isn't that called now the New York Inquirer? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Be more accurate. Um, I don't know where they could get that stretch. I mean, but if you've ever watched MSNBC with Joy Reid, man, anybody can stretch anything to anything. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know how they could wrap their mind around that. And, and I know a lot of places are going on about Trump, you know, siding with Putin because he said that it was a brilliant mm-hmm. move. I mean, it is. Look, none of us at this table, I mean, I, I would imagine you're in this ballpark too. None of us at this table ever liked Tom Brady. Right. A lot of <laughs> right. us didn't like LeBron James. Did what? I'm just saying. <laughs> Still don't. But we, can, but we can look at them and, and say, hey, they are good at what they do. Yeah. They're great at their craft. Yeah. yeah. Right? And when Putin says, hey, I'm taking peace, I'm sending peacekeepers in right. to remove my diplomats, you kind of have to go, okay, that's underhanded and shady, and yes, it's bad. But you hit it on the you, button. You got to love how you played the game, right? Like We've all played risk. And, and I feel bad for the Ukrainian citizens. I, I hate the fact that – I. Well, my show will drop on Sunday, and people will see how I felt. But it's amazing that those people are stepping up. Everybody yeah. picking up arms. One hundred percent. They're they're not scared. You know, their government's not giving in. Their government's not calling it. Their president's not hiding. He's yeah. staying right out there with his people. Yeah. Well, the government is asking the sixteen years old and the eighteen year old to pick up arms and asking their women to fight too. Eighteen to sixty. If you're a man in that country, you can't leave. Yeah, yeah. that's. That's stress right there. Yeah. We're worried about – I have young guys worried about a draft here. Like that will ever happen here. No, yeah. if you got purple hair, we don't want you anyway. Just stay home. It's okay. Yeah, we got this. <laughs> we, you can shoot yourself <laughs> in your foot at your own house. <laughs> right. Now, what did you say about a money – how much money line – what was his money line in Russia? Uh, let me just pull that back up. I said the Hunter lot. Biden. Yeah. 3.2 million, something like that. Here. here I thought Hunter Biden was just doing nothing but other lines this whole time. Yeah, that's a fact. 3.5, 3.5, 3. 3. yeah. So that's, he had yeah. businesses everywhere. That is no drop in the bucket. Even in the United States. Well, I only have one thing to say about it. Oh, I'm so sorry, Josh. No, it's, I'm sorry, John. That's okay. Josh, John. <laughs> Hi. We're both I, redheads with beards. So right, yeah. exactly. I just wanted to add one thing to the observation of what's going on. It's not an opinion. Well, it is an opinion. It's an opinionated statement. I was going to say it's an observation, Don. It's going to be really it rough. Is an obser- it is an observation. Um, Afghanistan is 38 hours from Russia and landlocked with it, which is the same amount of time it would take us to go from Indianapolis to Portland, Oregon. And we are twice as far away from Russia as Afghanistan is. Hmm. I'm just putting that out there. That is something to noodle on. That's why Biden decided, uh, Putin decided to attack. Ukraine, because they he saw how weak Biden is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, when, we had, especially when he took out Afghanistan, right? Soldiers, 
That's when he saw he's really weak. I'm not saying that they're correlated, but I'm saying they could. Oh, my opinion is that they're definitely correlated. I mean, the weakness of Biden, uh, you know, because this didn't happen under Trump and it wouldn't have happened under Trump. If if there was a second Trump term right now, this is not happening. Right. And you don't have China. We'll talk about this next week. China flying planes over Taiwan because now they're emboldened. Gosh, Mm -hmm. they're emboldened. Uh, So we'll we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit here in post show. Uh Oh, if you you guys are if you guys are uh, willing to talk about it, but um, they have been emboldened by that. uh, Oh, I've got something I want to say. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Blue check mark. Joe Biden. Hmm. Vladimir Putin doesn't want me to be president. He doesn't want me to be our nominee. If you're wondering why, it's because I'm the only person in this field who's ever gone toe-to-toe with him. And that's from February 21st of 20. Blue check Joe Biden. 2019, mm. right? That's 20. 20. Yeah. 20. I know in 2019 when he was, um, what was he? But, uh, that didn't age well, did it? <laughs> Neither did he. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. he was threatening um, telling him that. Oh, yeah. Putin couldn't go head to head with him. He's he's uh, all show and no go. We've known plenty of people like that in our lives. I know I should. Lots of bark and no bite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably, you know, he probably trained his dogs to be that way too. So, with that, (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna bring this thing to a close. So, Don, would you uh, lead us in an outro prayer, sir? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to sit before you, Lord God, and to have. Uh, a discussion, Lord God, and uh, a heartfelt discussion uh, at that, Lord God. Uh, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to share with one another, uh, be able to, uh, uh, to consult with one another, Lord God, to share our burdens with one another. Father God, we just lift up all of the people of the Ukraine. Lord God, we lift them into your hands. Father God, we ask that your will would be done. Father God, that you would send strength to them, Lord God, that they would know that you are there with them. Father God, we ask that the tyranny that is coming against them, Lord God, that it would be that it would be squashed. Lord God, we ask that your glory would be had, Lord, and that they would see uh, that they can find their strength in you, Lord. We also we lift up that same prayer, Father God, for uh, the truckers and the people who uh, have been affected by what's going on in Canada, Lord. Uh, we know that we know that we're not perfect here in the United States, and we don't claim to be, and we don't pretend to be, Lord God. And we we want to call out injustice when we see it, Lord God, wherever it may be. And uh, and we definitely lift uh, this country and Canada and Ukraine and everyone else, Lord God, into your hands, uh, that you would watch over us, protect us, Lord God, and allow your will to be done. Uh, and Father God, we just ask that uh, in, in whatever time we have, Lord God, that, that we would have an opportunity to be able to come face-to-face with you in eternity uh, and accept your Son, uh, as our Lord and Savior, and that we would find salvation and eternal life in that. Father God, above all things, Amen. we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you for that, Don. Yeah. So once again, as Donald Martyr to my right, you brought the message this week. Thank hey, you for joining us, sir. Yeah. Uh, across the table there uh, next to him is Louis Rodriguez. Hey, thank you for joining us again. Louis, Louis. Mm. Woohoo! <laughs> and over to my left, you know him, you love him, host of Laughing Libertarian, Alan McFarlane. That's right. Thanks and again. Thank you for joining us. And so uh, I'm your host, Joshua Cummins. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Deuces. To help support the Media Accountability Project, go to tmap.org and click Donate Now.